Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. It's volume 11, issue 506. And today we're going to cover the third in the Metroid series. It's Super Metroid. One of the most requested games I think we've covered so far. Been doing this show for 10 years and it's come up a lot. So here it comes. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Darren Gargett. Hello. Leah Haydu. Funny story. Uh, they actually didn't know I was a girl on this podcast until I took my helmet <laughs> off. Took a couple of years. <laughs> we weren't fast enough anyway. Um, <laughs> and Rich Davison. Hi there. All right. Uh, yes, Leah, actually, n- not that it matters to you, listener, but uh, Josh was very keen to be on this one and was uh, originally on the panel, but um, he can't make it. So we have Leah, which is brilliant because she's been on the previous Metroid podcast. Picking up Josh's slack again. Yeah, oh. as usual. <laughs> We're always clearing up his messes, let's put it that Super Metroid, referred to as Metroid 3 in the in-game intro, and originally, during development, subtitled Super Metroid The Return of the Mother Brain, is the third game in Nintendo's series of space adventures starring Samus Aran on her continuing mission to rid the galaxy of the Metroid menace. We'll offer a spoiler alert here, because it's what we do, but really, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would say it's in the redundant category based on Mm. the age of the game and the story of the game and all the sequels to the game and the fact that it's not even the it's not even the canonically third game anyway more of which later let's get into our histories with this one let's start with rich who of course uh, looked after the metroid 2 show yeah, not terribly interesting, to be honest with you. I um I, I was never a Super Nintendo owner in the 90s. Um, I would have been eight-year-old at the time this game came out. Super Nintendo just wasn't in our household, but at the time I would have been playing like NES and Sega Master System primarily. So it wasn't until probably the late 90s when I actually got around to playing it. And it was through the kind of halcyon days of barely legal piracy, <laughs> downloading ROMs on uh, Super Nintendo emulators and playing it through there. Yep. It's kind of been uh, like an enduring game that I've spent a lot of time with over the last oh, 20, 20 plus years. I, I, I can't remember a time that I'm not playing it in, in one kind of form or another. Um, countless completions over the last 20 years. It's also very difficult to kind of pass where my own opinions kind of begin and where the opinions that I've kind of osmosed as the internet's kind of gained prevalence have came through. So in preparation for this show, I went through and played on uh, the Wii Virtual Console, I think. Yep. The Wii U, the SNES Mini, the mm-hmm. Game Boy uh, 3D, excuse me, the 3DS. And, yep, and 3DS, yeah. Yeah, and obviously on on the Switch. And, and then I on this Friday did the, the Switch version of uh, Metroid SP, which is maybe not the most kind of robust version of this game. Um the thing that I didn't get the opportunity to do before I went back for this is actually try and play it on a CRT telly, and I think that's kind yeah. of a bit of a missed opportunity, really, because I would have thought the graphics on this would have been absolutely stunning in, in that format, but it, it just was out of my reach for this particular recording. I recommend the CRT filters on both the SNES Classic and the Switch online service. Uh, I think they're both relatively authentic to my memory. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I'll probably do that after the show. I mean, it, it, I'll need a bit of a break because I played it quite intensively in preparation for the show and after. Certainly, Metroid sounds like it. But, yeah. yeah, but um, yeah. And um, how did I get on? Uh, like, I can fairly comfortably now do a speed run of this, probably under two hours. I could yeah. definitely take somebody through a hundred percent playthrough. I would have thought, in, in spite of the fact it wasn't something that I've definitely done. 
And um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely all fair with this game at this point and looking forward to having a chat about it. You're almost certainly far more of an expert on this game than I am. Leah, what's your... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be heading into the... You didn't have a Super Nintendo I did situation. Not. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I did not have a Super Nintendo. So actually, I didn't play Super Metroid until I think the Wii Virtual Console version. Yeah. Uh, it was quite late. Um, but I have played it I mean that's still what 10 15 years ago at this point. So I I mean oh, I yes. have uh, I have played it a years. number of times since then. And um for the show as you mentioned I didn't have uh, quite as much notice as everybody else did, but I did just wrap up this morning a 100% completion yeah. um Super which cool. was oh, was nice pretty one. cool. Um I unfortunately I was not able to get it 100% and under 3 hours. Um it was it was a, not yeah. as bad as I would have I, I did use a walkthrough uh for for several of those things but um I completely understand yeah, that. Yeah, I just yeah. I I don't I I'm fairly familiar with it but not, I'm definitely not that familiar. Uh so no. I it, I think my my playtime for that 100% playthrough was a little over, uh actually I think it was a little short of 4 hours. Um still so still not too bad. And um, quick. That's yeah, amazing. That's yeah, considerably yeah. faster than I do it with considerably fewer items. Yeah, but I've I've played a, a couple of different versions of it, and this latest one I actually used a uh, SNES cartridge on my Retron, and uh, beautiful. Some kind of static electricity thing happened, and I blew out one of the uh, controller no. ports. Um, no. Yeah, it was very strange, but um, I, anyway, I used the other controller port and got it done. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that also has, um, some options for CRT scan lines, yeah. uh, which I did use and they, they ended up looking pretty good. So Excellent. pretty pleased with that. Nice. Darren G. Hello. Yeah. I came to Super Metroid after I played Metroid Prime, mm. which is not actually, it's not hundred percent true. I walked into my friend's house when I was a, a 10 year old, I guess, or 11 year old. And he had it left on his, um, on his, on his TV, on his big big tv in his dining room and i was like what is this like it looks so mysterious you know like a, a robot woman well i didn't know it was a woman but a robot figure on screen inside yeah. this green looking i remember it so vividly as well it's kind of like my um my brief encounter with sable wolf on the spectrum without reali realizing what it was and only years later did i realize that it was an actually it was actually ultimate play the game that i had encountered you know one of their games and I came back to it like a decade or two later and going, oh, my, that was Sable Wolf all those years ago. It's similar with Super Metroid. So I walked into his dining room and I was like, what is this? He just left it on a bit where he was stuck. And it's the bit that I get stuck at every time <laughs> is when you have to walk or run across these um, these crumbly bricks. And yeah. I always forget that you can run. Like yeah. the game, if I had the, the instruction book. It, it, yeah, oh, it, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't tell you though in the game. It doesn't, no. And I was even to, even like this year when I put it on on the Switch, I was like, I can't, I don't know what I'm doing wrong here. And then I, all of a, I press B by accident, just pressing all the buttons to see what happens. And Samus starts like sprinting. It's like, it's more than just a run, isn't it? It's a full on pelt. Mm -hmm. And because like a, a general animation is like when she's like bowling forwards, <laughs> she looks like she's running anyway. So there was no real indication that I should be sprinting across these bricks. But as, as a 10 year old, I couldn't work it out. And it, it, that it's like a screenshot's in my brain forever. I was like, oh, what is that game? And then... Lo and behold, GameCube rolls around because there wasn't, I wasn't really a big fan of the SNES, partly because I didn't really have one. Uh, my brother did. But Metroid was never on the N64, so I never really experienced Metroid other yeah. than Smash Brothers, right? Um, and by Metroid, I mean the levels and, and Samus herself. Mm -hmm. So when Prime came around, I was like, I'm going to give that, that game a go that 
I played on the snares ages ago and lo and behold I get to this green looking area and I couldn't work it out and I was just thinking to myself this is exactly where I, where my mate got stuck and I'm you know I'm reliving history in some weird way in this in this room and I forgot to sprint every single time it's like portal I always get stuck on the same chambers you know and this is kind of like um a similar thing there oh yeah um so yeah and then I, I finished it on the Wii U I, I loaded up my Wii U recently and as soon as I pressed you know go on the ROM it was the credits. Like I'd obviously save stated on the credits and it's re- resumed straight. So I was like, oh, that's cool. It was, it was about five and a half hours and it wasn't a hundred percent. Sorry. Um, but you know, it, it was good enough to finish it. And I was like, wicked. I remember, yeah, I remember doing that. And then I started playing on the Wii U again recently. And I thought this doesn't feel right. It, it feels murky, not in, not in a good Metroid way. It feels a bit, uh, it's just a bit like bland, a bit, a bit boring. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't what I was expecting from Super Metroid. So I put the switch version on, and it just came to life. It must have been the, the Switch screen or something about it. I don't know what. But Wii U emulation is notoriously kind of dull looking. Like yeah. they, they did something weird with the colours, with, with the, the brightness, the gamma, whatever it is. It's uh, but, it, it really does suck the life out of things. I'm not normally that fussy, though. Do you know what I mean? I Normally no, I, can, no. um, yeah. I can just deal with it. But this time I was like, this doesn't feel like... It, it, it looked like Metroid, but it didn't feel... It didn't have that same gritty vibe you know that isolation kind of vibe that metroid exudes it kind of lost that for it's also the pal version on the wii u virtual console whereas it's the ntsc version on switch so that that will make a little difference yeah maybe my standards are high i'm raising yeah without me knowing yeah (laughs) but yeah i've played some metroid on you know every like five years or something i love the urge to go back to it because it's such a unique beast with its um with its atmosphere and vibe but yeah i yeah i'll I'll always go back but never had the impetus to uh, speed run these things because my patience doesn't extend that far. No, no. I'm not the kind of person that replays these games. I'm glad we've got uh, some of the panel who, who are into that. Um, yeah, my, my history with Super Metroid is probably the longest, no, almost certainly the longest and the most expensive, but also the scratchiest in terms of how much I've I've played this. Uh, I, I remember Metroid existing on the nes but i never had an nes so i don't i didn't really know what it was i well i knew it was a a 2d flip screen spacey arcade adventure the likes of which of course i'd been exposed to many times on the 8-bit computer systems things like starquake i remember getting endlessly lost in in games like that and draconis um when super metroid was coming along it was relatively late in the super nintendo era but actually i only got my snes in early 94 and I think I waited until this game was available. I think I, I'm sure I remember picking it up for about 30 quid, which would have been like 10, 20 quid below RRP in the big box edition, the gigantic exploded corrugated cardboard box, which came with a, a kind of, I don't know, like a 72 page A4 hint guide, start a beginner's guide and stuff like that, which didn't really didn't solve the game for you or anything, just kind of set you off in the right direction and had some flavor text and all this kind of stuff. Press B to run, that kind of thing. Yeah, I could, did it have press B to run? I can't remember. Um, but my memories of actually trying to play this game are mainly me and my friend, who's still one of my best friends to this day, Dorian, we would be working at the burger bar where we worked back in the early mid-90s, and we would often work a night shift and then go back to mine to play video games from like midnight, one o'clock until the early hours Normally, a few cans would be involved, and I just remember us not being able to work out where we were supposed to go or what we were supposed to do. 
I remember it being confusing and making us feel stupid and which neither of us is particularly. Um, and um, I don't think it really worked as a co-op experience at all. And I just, and I think also playing it um, in a two made me kind of not kind of immerse myself with the, with the designers kind of intent and language. Uh, and I've certainly completed plenty of other games in, in the genre without so much trouble of, of being confused and lost. But you know, I like the atmosphere. I like the I like the the concept of it. But um, at some point, my frustration overtook me, and I sold that original big box version. Later, regretted that and bought another cartridge from secondhand, much further down the line. Uh, that version I found the battery had already died in the cartridge, so I couldn't save. So that was no good. Uh, and then I've ended up buying it again since on the Wii, the Wii U, the N3DS. Uh, the SNES Classic Mini and the Switch, obviously, it comes as part of that service. Uh, but I, it was 2007 that I finally completed Super Metroid for the first time. It was in the run-up to the release of uh, Prime 3, and I'd absolutely loved Prime 1, so it was a kind of, I really should go back and play this. Uh, and I still remember kind of battling through it, possibly with a, a little bit of guide help. Um and a low, low completion time of like eight, nine, 10, 11 hours. I don't know if my brain actually has a problem, whether it's physiological, psychological or intellectual, but I can't map this game in my head. Like some games I can just about get a sense of where everything is. Mm. This game just makes me feel very, very confused and lost a lot of the time. Still, I went back to it earlier this year for the show on the Switch and, uh, it was it somehow things started to click a little bit more and I completed it in a still very slow um like nine hours, something like that, and with I can't remember exactly what percentage of items, was it forty, maybe sixty, something like that. Anyway. Um and I kind of started to feel a bit more in the groove with it, but boy, that is you know, it is nearly thirty years since I first played it and so I'm still kind of getting to grips with it. Um, and I have a few issues with the way it plays and, and various things. So, and we've got, as you'd expect, a load of listener correspondence for this game being such a revered classic. Uh, and some of which does sort of also echo some of the issues I have with a game that's often talked about in hushed tones and, uh, and, and as a masterpiece. And obviously uh, no one in this is right or wrong, but, um, but yeah, different opinions are available on certain aspects of this game. Let's start off by hearing from Christopher Love. From email, who says, I remember playing Super Metroid as a dear, sweet, kiddie sized punk at my cousin's house. I loved the aesthetics and atmosphere, even if I wasn't quite old enough to vocalise those exact points. The game proved too much for me. One of the few times I surrendered the controller to an older relative due to lack of thumb finesse. The game stayed with me, however. When I was much older, I inherited quite a lot of cartridges. As soon as I saw the sticker on the cartridge, I could recall my time, aimlessly running around, shooting everything, and eventually being defeated. Even though I grew frustrated, the world certainly had a particular draw. Usually, you would blame the game in this scenario, yet that didn't feel right. I no longer had the feeble thumbs of a youth, and felt well equipped to tackle this behemoth once more. On this playthrough, I spotted more visual clues. I could follow the game's logic, how it guides you without being conscious of being led. I have no doubt you already have plenty of feedback with powerful prose describing the audiovisual wonder and technical achievements of this title. I just wanted to hark back to a title which felt like a crucible at the time, which eventually became a retreat. 
a life lesson in failure and scary tasks. If at first you don't succeed, return when you're bigger and or hairier. <laughs> Let's go back to the development of the game a little bit. Uh, a bit of background. Super Metroid was developed by Nintendo R&D 1 with a staff of 15 managed by Gunpei Yokoi, one of his relatively uh, late projects before, of course, he lost his life in a traffic accident in 97, I believe it was. The game was written and directed by Yoshio Sakamoto and produced by Makoto Kano. Intelligent Systems, the mighty Intelligent Systems, who, of course, we know for Advance Wars and Fire Emblem and lots of uh, lots of other cool games, Wario and loads and loads of cool stuff. Uh, they co-developed the original Metroid. They also handled the programming on this one. It was released on a 24 megabit cartridge. That's six megabytes. That was Nintendo's largest ever cart at that point in the biggest ever box or one of them. Came out in March 1994 in Japan, April 94 in the USA and July in the UK and the EU and probably Australia as well. Virtual Console on the Wii arrived in 2007. Jobo Bonobo from the forum says the strongest memory I have of Super Metroid was when I was home for Christmas holidays one year. I was playing the Wii Virtual Console when one of the kids from next door popped in for a visit. He came into the living room and asked what I was playing. This was just before I was about to fight Mother Brain, so I told him how close I was to finishing it off. Seeing the memorable duel play out along with the giant Metroid coming to my rescue really impressed him, and he was begging me to let him try a new game. I warned him that this was not like a regular side-scroller and that it might be harder than what he'd be used to playing, but he was insistent, so I let him start a new game. He came across missiles for the first time and realised they would open doors he was having trouble with. That's when it all clicked. He was exploring, beating enemies, unlocking power-ups and going back to previous areas to use the new abilities to progress further. It was interesting to see how quickly he picked it all up and got engrossed in this world. There was something delightful about seeing someone new to a subgenre of game and adapt to its conventions so quickly and enjoy themselves. It speaks to the design of Super Metroid and how it communicates its mechanics to the player in such an organic fashion. This design philosophy, along with its wonderfully captivating atmosphere, has made this game age like a fine wine. Sean S. Thomas uh, from the forum says, As a kid who grew up on, the, uh, on Sega and the Amiga, I shockingly never owned a Nintendo console until the Wii, bar a brief foray into the three flagship titles on N64. So Metroid completely passed me by. However, as I played catch-up, I devoured the Metroid Prime trilogy and grew to adore them. Several years later, it made me wonder if the much-vaunted Super Metroid could hold a light to the 3D iteration, so I downloaded it on Wii U. And I was genuinely shocked that despite the age and limitations of the SNES, Super Metroid did an incredible job of getting the most important things right. I was stunned most by the sense of isolation and wonder. I wanted to explore, though I did so with trepidation, knowing that I was venturing further and further away from the safety of a save room. There were some quirks that in the modern day I found tough to get past. Aiming in running combat was hard. That part with the speed boost run, timing wall jumps, the map... I honestly don't think I could have beaten it either without being able to save anywhere. Though that was more down to patience than difficulty, I suspect, given I've beaten Celeste and Hollow Knight. But that atmosphere and sense of going it alone are what I found most miraculous about Super Metroid. That 30 plus years on, the formula was fully established and realised. A staggering achievement. Seth from our forum says, despite being a huge fan of Metroidvanias, I didn't actually play this one until a few years ago when I picked up a SNES Mini. 
When I was younger, I remember seeing the cover of this game a lot, especially at the homes of family members, but it never appealed to me. But I think the gameplay and presentation of Super Metroid really holds up. And Scott Lamond says, I played this for the first time recently as part of the Switch Online subscription, and my experience was primarily one of frustration and annoyance. I struggled to click with both the game's control scheme and the physical controls of the Switch itself. Normally, I tend to use it for slower strategy, turn-based games where quick inputs aren't necessary, which led to me dying because I jumped off or jumped or fired in a direction I hadn't meant to. I know that toing and froing is a central part of the Metroid experience, but when available gaming time is short, it can get frustrating when you are tracking through areas repeatedly, trying to work out where to go next. The most egregious example of this was towards the end of the game, when your destination turns out to be a wall that doesn't even show up as passable when you scan it with the X-ray scope. So you just have to try walking through an apparently solid wall, something that I don't think occurs in any of the rest of the game. I did end up completing it, but did so with liberal use of save states. Without these, I wouldn't have persevered. Reviews at the time were broadly stellar. Mm, over in uh, over here in the UK, CFVG gave it a 91. Super Play, 92. The official Nintendo magazine also, 92. Total magazine, 94%. Edge, a slightly sniffier in Edge fashion, 8 out of 10. But they still loved it and uh, have talked about it pretty much non-stop since it came out uh, and it always appears in their kind of all-time bests and things like that in america egm gave it a mighty 36 out of 40 i'm guessing that's four nines or maybe some tens and eights and the average that game rankings recorded before it went offline was 96 percent in fact which is pretty mighty user reviews wise over on nintendo life it has a extraordinarily healthy 9.3 out of of 10 from uh, almost one and a half thousand players who have uh, put a vote in sales wise didn't actually sell that many copies weirdly for such a, a revered title it's only the sixth best-selling metroid and uh, it sold a healthy but not staggering 1.42 million copies mm. I bet that does not take any into account any of the digital sales, though. Oh, for sure. Yes, it'll be a lot more than that by now, including those. That's the thing with Metroid is like, or Super Metroid in that era. For for me personally speaking, I love Mario and Mario Kart and all the colourful things around Nintendo that I could have access to. But I didn't even, I wasn't even aware that Metroid was a name until i stumbled across it in my in my friend's house so it's and i think that's kind of until dread recently i think that's kind of the way metroid has been treated it's just kind of like you know that they're quality titles but they're never really broken out into the mainstream if you know what i mean and um you know 1.4 million sales is nothing to be sniffed at but when you consider nintendo's like 30 million mario karts and stuff it does seem like a bit of a drop in the ocean that they've got and i think super metroid is kind of like the perfect example of a classic game on a on a popular system that not many people relatively speaking yeah. got their hands on yeah. i know right the yeah. 1994 in particular was like a, a bumper year for super nintendo with like demon's crest and donkey kong country earthbound final fantasy 6 so it might just be that there's just a really strong lineup of competition mm. that's kind of vying for market share and, and such it's also the year the playstation launched yeah and, indeed. Uh, yeah so mm. the sort of the the public appetite, certainly the mainstream appetite, was heading towards 3D things that they'd seen in the arcades and now wanted to play at home. So I think that's part of it. Yeah, multiple factors for sure. 
Getting into the scenario of the game, the characters, the settings, it's all highly familiar to people who had played Metroid 1 or uh, 2 on the Game Boy, which I suspect was a smaller number. I can't remember the figures off the top of my head, although I don't know. There were a lot of Game Boys. With the last Metroid in captivity, the galaxy at peace, but when space pirates snatch the lava for their own evil purposes, bounty hunter Samus Aran must spring into action once again, return to the labyrinthine underworld of planet Zebes, Zebes, Zebeth. <laughs> and explore. Again. Yeah, I know. Uh, explore deeper than ever before using new abilities like the grappling beam and X ray scope and battle massive bosses with an awesome arsenal of beams, missiles, and bombs. Super Metroid is renowned as one of the greatest 2D action games ever made and paved the way for the Metroid Prime series with its innovative map system, diverse range of weapons and suits, and wealth of secrets to discover, according to Nintendo Life. Really, and I mentioned this in the Metroid 1 show, Super Metroid is probably a more apposite name than Metroid 3 because this is really a 16-bit remake of the first game, mm. right? Especially when you go down to that area and you see that kind of, that familiar-looking go-left area where you get your morph ball, right? That's kind of like, when I saw that and then I went back to the NES one, I was like, oh, they've just put that bit in that game, like from that game, the original game. That's... The- that's that same area, right? I'm not just like going loopy, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it, but the game is and isn't a remake. I'm being slightly facetious, but you could argue that it, it is one, right? N- no, I don't think so. It is much like Super Mario World's a remake of Mario 1, probably, if you know what I mean. But like, it's, sure. Yeah, you know, it, it's a super version of what's come before, right? It is, Yeah. you know, everything okay. looks and smells and you know, tastes nicer than the one that came before it. But I, I don't think a remake is, is apt. But um, I, I could see why they'd stick a super suffix or prefix on that um mm. it hits the same beats i guess narratively though it, it does require some prior knowledge of super of, of metroid 2 in particular True. uh given that mm-hmm. the the baby metroid is, is front and center but i i guess like what we could say is that they can condense two games worth and what x hours worth of gameplay into two slides at the the cinematic opening so there's some yeah. kind of uh, indication there that the the story is pretty svelte uh leading up yeah. to this well, they kind of did something similar with Super Castlevania Four, right? Like the, the exactly there's there's yeah. a piece that is kind of almost a remake of the original, but that's mm, only yeah. such a small piece of the whole that it just serves to show you how much more they have been able to do with the property and how 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 much it's been expanded since that yeah. since that original in a lot of ways. Yeah, perfectly put. I like the use of the phrase that the Nintendo Life have, have given us them Arsenal. Uh, excuse me, awesome Arsenal of beams. That's nearly yeah. as good as some orbs from Perfect Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is as good as some orbs. Um, Samus Aran brings the last Metroid to the Ceres Space Colony for Colony. Uh, yeah, I can say that word. Colony for scientific study. Investigation of the specimen, a lava reveals that its energy-producing abilities could actually be harnessed for the good of civilization. Shortly after leaving, Samus receives a distress call alerting her to return to the colony immediately. She finds the scientists dead and the Metroid lava stolen by Ridley, leader of the space pirates. Samus escapes from the colony during a self-destruct sequence and follows Ridley to the planet Zebes. She searches the planet for the Metroid and finds that the pirates have rebuilt their base there. Uh, And so it goes on. I suppose we should really talk about, um, I mean... I guess, in terms of the the fundamentals of the of the concept of the game, uh, there's some definitely some nods to uh, Alien and Aliens, Alien Three as well. 
and you know there's some general kind of star warsy space action vibes going on um but the thing that the adjectives that people tend to use when describing particularly this one even even ahead of uh, the first two games in the series would be loneliness and atmosphere um and uh, and how much of a, a of a pull those are to the the experience of playing metroid what i really like about metroid super metroid in particular is just how little like plot is delivered and administered through text and through mm. the the kind of pseudo fmv that you get at the beginning of the game you get one right at the beginning and then as you leave the um Sarah's space colony and then that's you until the end of the game and it's all kind mm-hmm. of handled cinematically through the likes of the mode seven that comes through in the the opening section and then it's just you and what it is that you're uncovering and everything is just delivered specifically through gameplay and i think that's just like a real confidence from the part of uh the developers to be able to say look you know we've got this strong vision and we've got this product that we want to put out there and we think it's going to stand by itself i think for me uh, one of the really strong things is that it's it's spookier than than the original metroid mm. in my opinion it, it just it feels and, and this is largely due in part to the music uh mm. which we'll we'll talk about i'm sure but um just I, I guess it's because they are able to kind of flesh things out a little bit more they're not stuck with uh the constraints of the nes which i i mean it again you can go listen to our show on that for our opinions but i i mean they mm. with what they had i think they did a fantastic job but here they just have more and mm. with that they have done a lot to make it feel like you're delving into this planet that you shouldn't be in and that mm. everything kind of wants to kill you and that uh you know there's there's the same area of just creatures that you thought should all be dead except for your uh your little baby friend um mm-hmm. and and just I, that's that's really kind of what and you you mentioned aliens and to me this is more alien than aliens um mm-hmm. because it just has that really dreadful horrible horror element to it mm-hmm. uh that maybe you didn't see necessarily uh, as much in the previous titles i love the the snes crackle of a thunderstorm like there's something about that it's so Mm. satisfyingly pleasing to my ears that i could actually Mm. probably fall asleep to a super nintendo thunderstorm and love every second of it like that opening is just so nice oh i'm gonna check (laughs) it out after this but yeah like just the, the rain the thunderstorm behind it and the way the ship just god there's something about samus's ship that feels like home more than most video games. Mm. Like, you know it's there, you know where it is all the time, and if you're in a pickle, you mm. can get back there and save, it's fine. Because, And it really does feel like, when you see her descend into the into the ship, you're just like, yes, like, there's something, I can't put my finger on why it's so nice to have this, well, it's a constant, isn't it? It's always there in the world. Same yeah. as Prime, man. Like, you just know yeah. that, like, my ship's over there. If I'm, if I'm ever desperate for a get-out-of-jail-free card... My my orangey yellow ship is there, and it just looks so cool, man. Like the vibe of Super Metroid and Metroid in general is something I was never really anticipating, you know, grooving with. But like, I can just, I reckon I can live in my, in, a, in a Metroid world despite all the horror around it. I reckon I could just Not sit for very on a, long. a cliff edge. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm super tough, man. I, I, I think that's that like a really fascinating observation because for me, like you know, like it it is horrific. You know, it's a, a clearly a hostile planet, but it could be down to my experience with the game or my relationship with them. I don't necessarily feel it's like 
unsafe in the same way that uh, Metroid and Metroid 2 were, where, you know, you kind of are in a position where, like, you are close to death at any one moment in time. Like, from the off, Samus feels, like, more than, like, equipped to deal with even the basic enemies in a way that she wasn't in the first game. So I'm kind of curious to, to, to sort of, like, ask the question about whether or not that feeling of safety extends to, or the feeling of, like, I don't know, like hostility extent to a feeling of, of unsafety in that way? Because I don't think the two are like mutually exclusive. I think it might be the, um, for me personally, it might be the unpredictability of what's to come. So you see the guys hanging from the ceiling, you're like, I don't know how they're going to act. And then all of a sudden, like three of them come charging down at you and take like, you know, a third or maybe a half of your health off. You're like, well, thanks for that. Do you know what I mean? And um, you can always get caught off guard quite quickly with some of the enemies in Super Metroid and Metroid Prime and just Metroid in general that... I never feel 100% confident in bowling through like I do in, Mar- in Halo with Master Chief. Like I've just, you know, you feel like a superhero in that game. Whereas this, I feel like, you know, if you aren't overly familiar with the series and you come back to it after a few years, you can get caught short in Super Metroid for sure. You know what I mean? You can definitely absolutely get you know, bowled over by some unpredictable creatures that you weren't really just really um, ready for. It's, um, yeah, it's the, the, they definitely feel more alien than like most computer games you know you can turn on a video game and it's just like, oh yeah there's just things flying around and it's just yeah let's just blast them but in super metroid specifically like they're all just kind of living in their own spaces and you, you do feel like you're a bit of an intruder <laughs> you're just like mm. yeah these guys are just chilling out and um yeah and if i go near them they're absolutely going to do what they do to take me out and yeah i guess it's just the unpredictability of of what may or may not happen on your first encounter and like i say yeah. if, if you do forget where they are you can you know, you can have a, and maybe death isn't like what I'm getting at, but like when you have a certain amount of your energy reduced, that then in, you know, incites some sort of fear for what's going to be head next, because sure you've got farming spots in Super Metroid, but if a, if a creature takes you out or takes three quarters of your health, you're like, well, how, where, what am I supposed to do next? Because you're so reliant on having this kind of energy reserve for the future 10 20 minutes that if you get caught short then that's when the fear kind of kicks in and the audio cues that are really annoying if you get too low i will say Mm. that um it it does feel more customizable in that way because i know for a fact that um for instance rich your two and a half hour run probably had a more difficult time with for instance mother brain than mine where i had all of the energy tanks and just sat in the mm. corner firing directly into her face for a few seconds i it just it, you can and, and that's not to say and both are successful that's the thing is that you know yeah. you, you samus can be competent in different ways she can be competent because the person playing her is just good at what they're doing and has the the tools inherent to them to be able to get through things more easily or it can be that Samus is competent because she has all the energy tanks and all of the missiles and yeah. can just run through stuff and not have to worry you've about it. You've sort of leveled up like you've RPG'd it in a sort way of. through exploration. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's kind of worth mentioning that Super Metroid does this. Personally, I find it really cool, which is right at the front end, stick in the timer and the boss battle. The first thing you do, the first thing that you encounter is the part of the playable character. And it's just like a really yeah. interesting and really cinematic way to kind of bring the player Very- of the game. In media res, and you know, I normally hate it when when uh, any kind of game gives you the you're supposed to lose this fight fight, but but for some Mm -hmm. reason I don't mind it here. I I guess it's just a nostalgia thing. I don't know. Yeah, 
interestingly, this game only uh, sits canonically in terms of chronology ninth out of 12 Metroid games. <laughs> uh, well, 10, 11 games and one manga series, which has the origins. Um, but yeah, it um, it is not the first story, not by a long chalk. In fact, it's rather more recent to Dread mm. than it is to the original Metroid. But like most Nintendo things, like I can play Zelda and well, like Zelda on the on the SNES Link to the Past, Super Mario, you know, or or Super Metroid, or most Nintendo things in general, and the story just kind of. It's, it's happening around you, but it's never really vital to the enjoyment of yeah. the video game. And yes. only recently have I understood what Metroid is as a as a narrative. And uh, mm. even then, I'm still a bit hazy. I'm not like, yeah, I'm you know King Metroid, but it's just like you know. I'm like, yeah, sure, she she's got some you know things with Metroids, and that's fine. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it, it happens around me. It, it doesn't ruin my experience of the game if I don't understand it, and that's kind of how I want it, really. It's a mood and a vibe more than a oh, yeah. I, I know some people really buy into lore of mm. and narrative of games, but yeah, for me, it, this was never about that. It was you just needed something to set the scene. That's it is, off you go. It is kind of wild though that they leaned so heavily in the end on on the ending of Metroid Two. Like you know, you you if you have been playing this game. Even if you read the beginning scrawl, like the fact that a a tiny Metroid is now a giant Metroid that doesn't yeah. kill you but sucks the life out of Mother Brain, and they, like you would have no clue what was going <laughs> on. And I mean, I guess it doesn't ultimately matter, but I think it's kind of neat that they that they did yeah. put that in there, even though this the, it was true, a Game actually. Boy game. Like that ending sequence would make absolutely no sense if if mm. you had not if you didn't have at least a little bit of knowledge, because you've been killing these things for the past, you know, yeah. not the entire game, because Metroids don't show up until pretty late, but you, you have been killing these things up until this point, and then one of them just all of a sudden decides it's not going to kill you and come back later, yeah. and, you know, how are you supposed to know that it's your your child or whatever? Yeah, it was a, it was absolutely a mystery to me, yeah. Anyway, Bearfish Pie from our forum says, My memories of firing Super Metroid up for the first time are seared into my memory, transporting me back to my childhood bedroom. I sat surrounded by a jumble of relics spanning the awkward stretch between teenager and adult, e eagerly powering up my ageing console. The title screen of Super Metroid is an incredible thing, an almost static and shockingly sparse tableau accompanied by suspenseful, menacing music that I find chilling even now. It's imposing and threw me off guard. It took a few moments before I was ready to press start, and by that time, the game had already pulled me into its orbit. It's a fairly iconic title screen, I would say. Yeah, given that, you know, it, it seems to me, based on anecdotal information, that there's very few people who made the natural transition from Metroid, Metroid 2 to Metroid 3. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like, just the, the kind of confidence in that sparse opening sort of it's just a splash screen isn't it you know it, it speaks to that kind of cautionary tale that we've all kind of grown up with through x amount of years with the movies about weaponizing something that is in and of itself incredibly hostile like you know it's just mm. yet more kind of alien law and i think really you probably don't need to lean into it too much for the the player to be able to understand exactly what it is that we're dealing with you and the fact at the time even in 94 when i played it uh well it was new then but even if I, I may have played this after I'd had a PlayStation and whatever, I can't quite remember. But um, the use of transparencies and mode seven to bring the title screen 
into formation kind of uh, was still impressive at that time. Like, you know, because we were generally used to fairly yeah static and straightforward title screens, but this actually kind of sucked you right in with its cinematics and technical whiz, whiz bangery. Let's talk more about the visuals. 16-bit graphics for the first time. Uh, Daniel Glass from our Patreon says, I played Super Metroid after a few years of seeing the eye-popping massive enemy sprites in magazine screenshots. I found the graphical and gameplay improvements to the NES original to be exactly what I needed to draw me fully into the Metroid universe. I loved the graphics, sound design, gameplay and environmental storytelling, and it made the Metroid concept click to the point where I was able to go back and beat the original game on my NES. The little description I remember of the graphics, because I'll admit, I uh, the actual in-game graphics at the time, I didn't think were wildly impressive for a Super Nintendo game. Overall, I thought they were a little bit sparse and spare, and I didn't love the enemy sprite design and things like that. But there was something about them that I thought was really cool. Obviously, I would, yeah, I would concur they were an upgrade on the NES versions, what I'd seen of those. But there was this little description in one of the Edge write-ups of the game. Uh, I think it was, yeah, they were doing a, um, maybe it was a best of year or something, um, maybe a best of all time even. Uh, but it was the description that... Um, and this I can only paraphrase, but it was something along the lines of an uh, a, an organic crust had been added to every surface. The idea that a lot of secrets were kind of squirreled away in the in the peripheral detail of the environments. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it it I, I think that I had actually we we talked about some of the um, how you kind of have to just shoot things and bomb things and see what happens. But there are some places in which. It, I think it's signaled a little better than others. Like, if there's a big crack in the floor, then you probably yeah. want to try bombing there. If there's, you know, a little indentation in the wall that looks like it's uh, a little bit um, different than what's around it, you might want to try there. And I, I think that speaks to it being kind of organic in that in the way that they're talking about, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, and it's certainly an improvement from Metroid and Metroid 2, where... Yeah the tell was typically something was moving within the sprite or within the wall or around a, mm. a gap in the wall. And that was your indication that something needed to come through. Well, That's know. right. Yeah. I think using the word organic is, is spot on. Like if you take the opening area, for example, where, you know, the ship lands and you can go left or right, those cave entrances, they don't feel like video game art popping at you. It feels like an actual place that you walk into. And that sounds like for that era to kind of exude that kind of, confidence with its with its graphics and art it's, it's kind of impressive like i never really i could never really put my finger on why i found super metroid or oh, i do find super metroid so appealing visually but it is because it feels like it's a place that's already been there and you just happen to be you know you happen to be involved in it like you walk left and you go through that cave it doesn't feel like someone's designed it on a video game on a pc or you know computer by someone's hand it feels like it's it's a place that exists and i think that's probably you know spot on using the word organic hmm Something. Yeah, and I think the the extra colours and resolution allowed them to certainly make the things like the Chozo statues and the wall tiles and all that stuff kind of come to life a bit more than they ever could on the on the NES. But even like other sixteen bit games, they they feel like they're video games that are designed by humans because the, the, the way they're laid out and the way it's all kind of you can kind of see the video gaminess happening in front of you with Nintendo games in general and Super Metroid. It feels like 
that they're kind of curated places that are already in existence. It's it it feels like a level of polish that other kind yeah. of sixteen bit games never really had. Something that I feel really strongly when playing Super Metroid is the the distinction between being like inside and outside, and it's something that I have a bit of a problem with in definitely in like the PlayStation and sixty four era, but certainly in the um. In the 16-bit era as well, like it obviously uses a lot of parallax when you're outside, which gives that kind of depth perception that looks really neat and, and nice. And when you're indoors, you usually get that um, like fog effect in the foreground to give you a sense that you're in an interior space. So they do a lot of like trickery to to give you a sense of of depth and and position that's um you know just really enjoyable. I think that the uh, the different areas actually do a pretty decent job of and this just kind of expands on what you were just saying, but the different areas, they they feel different to me. Uh, And I might, Mm. it's not like a one-to-one, this is the fire area and this is the water area. And this is, I mean, there's a lot of that, um, Mm. but it's not, and that again, I think maybe speaks to it being a little bit more organic in that it's not completely defined and, you know, just with boundaries uh completely between what the tile sets are but there's more variety than i like the one that i think of uh in the original metroid is that there's um pretty close to each other on the map there are kind of two columns of of rooms uh, and they both look very similar except one's like blue and one's more like (laughs) yellow and and i always got those confused when i was going through the game and um and you know again it's a it's a limitation thing partially but also artistically i think that uh that super metroid just does a much better job for my for my money to uh to kind of mm. let you know that you're in a different space even if you might not exactly know where that space is and yes that music it sets the tone right from the off as it has done in the previous games as well we talked uh, particularly of uh, rich's love of one piece uh, from Metroid, which doesn't return here in 16-bit form, sadly. Craig's Layer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I might be alone in this, but I, I think, you know, the, as, as iconic as the music seems to be, to me, it's kind of turgid. It uses a bit of a, almost like a, a musical palette that definitely gives you the sense of like otherworldliness and bizarreness, but it's not exactly like, you know, melodic to listen to. It's kind of dissonant in some spaces. I don't know if yeah. there's a general sense among the panel of that. I yeah, think, I mean, I think that's deliberate. Yeah, I was, I was, I agree with that. I, I think that's that's kind of partially what they were going for. It's not quite a full Silent Hill, but it, you know, it, it's not as it, it's it 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 lends to the kind of disarming nature of the of some of the environments. I think that it's not you know, just something that you can sing along with. It's not something that Samus has on the headphones in her helmet. You know, it's it's something that is more organic. I wish you hadn't said organically on because now it's all I can think of. Um, Sorry, it, it's a good one. It is kind of more organic, though. Like, it, it, it's not as as much a sound. I, I mean, it's obviously it is a soundtrack and, and it is a um, a score for what you're doing, but it's not as composed as maybe it was in some of the other games except and and that gets different like when you're out in the in the area with your ship it is more of a almost 
heroic piece, like a you know a a an anthem, yeah, a or cinematic something. theme. I'm yeah, so yeah. pleased you brought that up because it was a criticism that I leveled to Metroid One and Metroid Two that right. it starts you off in the game with this, yeah, that like heroic theme. You know, the feeling of like, hey, I'm invincible, I can do anything. Um, what this game does, however, is when you initially land on the planet, it doesn't play that music. Mm-hmm. It's only when you return back there at a later point that it does that. And I think for me, that deliberate and conscious decision not to play a heroic theme is adding to the atmosphere of like, this is a hostile environment. And you got Darren's to rainstorm that. to start with. <laughs> yes. Mm, yeah. I think that's what it's um, called now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but then as you say, like, yeah, I, th- I think the overall sense of the soundtrack exactly as Leah's saying is like this, yeah, this um, mood piece, ambient kind of stuff. But actually there are, there are quite a lot of, um, mm. there's a couple of tunes which are actually kind, kind of quite danceable. And is it um, Star Jungle, right? That's kind of yeah, a yeah. popular yeah. tune, isn't it? I'd love to see you do, dance do, to that. Do, do, do. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think my favourite ones, uh, and this goes throughout the series or the games that I've played in the series, tend to be the ones that um, really sell that alien atmosphere in the same way as uh, the, the Halo composers used choirs and, and voices to evoke uh, an otherworldliness. I think... Um, this game does that but it's even because of the nature of the 16-bit sound and the sample based audio that the super nintendo there's that sort of weird yeah almost like audio uncanny valley between organic human or alien sounds and computer sounds that i think yeah really work for me those just like little little haunting vocalizations that uh, is that is that synthetic or is that So an observation I had was, it feels to me like they've dropped all of the the score down an octave. And in doing that, it's Mm. made it feel a little bit more, uh, like bassy is not the right word, but just a little bit more muted against the the Mm -hmm. sound palette that's there as well, which just, yeah, I've never, you know, I could quite easily listen to the Metroid 2 soundtrack. You know, we've had Metroid Prime music on the Sound of Play um, podcast, the late Sound of Play podcast that's been really well received. And the Super Metroid score, I don't think there's anything necessarily like anthemic that stands out to me as something that I would champion. It's just all very kind of like consistently good, but nothing too amazing. How about the the actual, uh, the audio design in terms of the sound effects uh, environmental noises and, and stuff like that. So obviously, again, we've gone from the NES's uh, or the Famicom's uh, fairly simplistic beep, beepy 8-bit sounds. Uh, and that's, I don't mean that as a diss on, on the many sound designers mm. who got a tune out of it, literally. Um, obviously, the 8-bit Game Boy, again, was had some really cool chip tunes on it, but uh, but had its limitations in some aspects. Now we had the opportunity for Super Nintendo 16-bit sampled sound. Um, and do you think that benefits the game? I mean, we, we spoke about the lightning storm, haven't we? And I can't, I can't yes. repeat that bit, but no. I do like it. Yes. The pea shooter uh, on Canon sounds not especially very good, I would say. Certainly not mm. when compared to, to Metroid 2. I think that's like a, a standout in there. Mm. Uh, and the sound of doors sliding open is quite satisfying, I would say. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, yeah, the the explosion sounds are really good. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was going to be my next shout was the power bomb. It's just like when it wipes out a whole screen and it just makes that, it sounds like an audio wipe, literally of what's happening, like visually right. and audio. You can, yeah. you can hear the, the closure of the explosion as it, as it, you know, dissipates off the screen. It's a... Uh, it's lovely. I love it. I appreciate that the low health noise is not quite as grating in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's still there. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, it's more like a chirping bird now rather than a screeching pterodactyl. Yeah, something like that. Did you hear that a lot in your playthrough, dear? Not really. No, uh, I had a lot of health and I'm tanks, very good yeah. at video games. Yeah. Um, so eh. yeah. maybe that's why it wasn't uh, as annoying. I must admit, here in the um, whenever you pick anything up that's an upgrade. I love that tune, but I don't need to hear it every single time I pick up a missile upgrade. I do. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Please, just save me those six seconds. I want to just... The game freezes, doesn't it? Uh, Which is, again, a sort of little nod back to it. Maybe it's 8-bit past, but they probably could have done without that. I love it as much as Link holding up an item, but when Link holds up an item, it goes, that's it. You're, you're done. You're moving on. Because this one feels a little bit too long for the kind of the fluidity of the gameplay. The, the yeah, organic sounds are, are pretty good as well. The the sounds of like bosses screeching and screaming sounds like very like otherworldly and and convincing to me. And obviously, you yeah. hear it quite a lot when you unload a hundred missiles into a Ridley or whatever. There the are actual human voices used for some of those uh, pitched up, pitched down, treated, you know, put through filters and things like that. Um, I think we can hear some of the actual sound designers in those screeches in some cases. Although some of them may be fully uh, synthesized. Yeah. Kasuga-san from a forum says, I had one of my friends pick this game up for me on its release date since I lived outside of town and couldn't get to the store. I've played, I may have played hooky after my friend gave it to me at school so I could go home and start playing it. I knew from the moment I fired it up that I was in for something special. This game builds atmosphere in a way that very few games of that era could with its soundtrack and willingness to have quiet moments in between the action. I played the heck out of this game until I beat it, and then I immediately started playing it again to try to get one of the better endings. It's hard for me to judge the difficulty of the game since I've beaten it so many times over the past almost three decades, but I often find myself coming back to it, maybe not every year, but pretty close. So yeah, let's talk about, uh, again, whether it's in relation to the previous two games uh, that I think we've all played, certainly at least some of, um, or just in terms of what was around at the time, or even in context of video games that we might play today, as there are no shortage of 2D side-on Metroidvania-type games, controls and locomotion. Let's uh, use Bixer to kick us off with some criticism from our forum. says, I think the controls of the game have aged incredibly poorly. The walls, uh, the wall jump and screw attack in particular are so finicky that you never really feel like you've quite mastered them. You just pray that you'll never have to traverse the sections that need them ever again. It's for this reason I don't believe Super Metroid deserves to be considered as one of the best in, in the genre anymore. And truthfully, I'm surprised at how many publications continue to include it in their top 10 best games ever. First of all, you never need the wall jump. I can attest to that because I can't, I cannot, I'm, I'm not very good at the screw, at the, um, the screw attack or the space jump, but I cannot mm. do the wall jump. And fortunately I was able to get a hundred percent without ever actually needing mm. that. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. I mean, yeah, it is. I, I can do it. Uh, not with absolute hundred percent accuracy. I think you have like maybe one or two frames within which to, to press the button, mm. but it's, um, yeah, it's so much more specific and precise than any modern game would make it. Even even a modern challenging game like Hollow Knight, which Leah's just finished, like the you get as 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 long as you want to wall jump in that pretty much, and until the until the wall runs out, kind of thing. Um, so this is very much again of the mindset of 
of the time, yeah. the design of the time, that your your input window for these things is is pretty small. And I think that's what ages it. I think that also, um, I, 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 for the most part, I think that the controls are fine. They're they're uh, responsive enough for me, uh, if maybe a little bit floaty in places. Um, mm -hmm. I I was left with the impression, for the most part, that when I couldn't do something, it was probably my fault. Um, the exception that I will make is the grappling hook, which I felt was kind of finicky and um, it just it felt like I was pressing too many buttons uh, at the same time mm. to get that to work. And <laughs> I have mean. very small hands, so it, it doesn't <laughs> work out that well. Um, Even on the SNES controller. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, this, I don't know if any of you have used a, an actual SNES controller recently. Yeah, yeah, uh, I have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're they're not, they're not controversial opinion, I don't know, but I don't think the SNES <laughs> controllers are that great. I, I it just didn't feel this is controversial I, I i don't know i don't know if that's controversial or not um but i i did not find i did play the entire game in this last playthrough with an, an actual snes controller and yeah. um yeah, yeah me it, too. it did not it, my hands hurt <laughs> I, I need to soak them in something i think yeah. the world has changed uh, that could just be me i'm aging i've definitely got some issues as they said with the wall jumps and the screw attack with super metroid but I came to Super Metroid properly after I played Prime 1 with the GameCube controller. So yep. my internal logic was, it's a robot suit. That's quite hard to manoeuvre in. That's how I got my way through Prime 1, was believing myself that I was actually Samus in this robot armour. Therefore, the controls are going to be a bit tricky. So when I go back hmm. to Super Metroid, sure, like asking me to press left, for example, but only very briefly to not pull away from the wall to wall jump, is was a, a complete minefield for my brain like so they want me to go down the side of a wall pressing the opposite direction but not too far to move away from the wall but also press jumping yeah. that yeah you're like that's ridiculous and even those little creatures that do the little metroid theme tune at you and bounce up the wall like it's nothing you're like oh yeah see you later then bye How <laughs> that's your tutorial that's your one and only that comes in like way too late as well like Apart for me it's one. just like i'm halfway through the game now and these little things that i've never seen before are now telling me how to play the game i'm like all right, see you later then. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> as they, they got this tunnel, same as that little ostrich bird. When you get your um, yeah, your super, yeah, you get your supercharged, super yeah. you know, business. It, he just disappears up into the roof without any problem. Whereas I'm like, chase, you can chase him, you can chase him, and then he disappears while I'm struggling to squat on the floor, waiting to go like glowy orange. I'm like, come on, charge! No, it's not happening. So yeah, mm. the game's definitely got its issues, but um, I've kind of made peace with the robot. The robot suit that Samus, uh, you know, wears as part of the problem. But um, in in later games, she's fine. She's she's as nimble as anything. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, they, Ooh, they kind of address he, that. here we go. So um, like I know we've had kind of separate discussions offline about um, like how zippy Samus is, and and I've got to say, like I, I genuinely feel that the kind of sense of gravity and the mm. the weird sort of really floaty jumps that they've got in Super Metroid are, are definitely to my taste, and and I I, mm. I kind of vehemently dislike how kind of quick samus is from the likes of it's probably after zero mission onwards because fusion does a lot to try and replicate a lot of the gravity that's going on here um i don't have anything to add on the the wall jumping i think 20 <laughs> 20 or so years of playing this quite extensively and i still feel mm -hmm. like it's a real crapshoot as to whether a wall jump's going to come off or, or pretty quickly 
And and it's the same with the screw attack, which is really frustrating because they they nailed it in in Metroid Two, and they had to nail it because um it was absolutely essential to be able to get through the game and get up to the final bosses and such. I think for me the biggest problem with the gameplay is the controller mapping, the fact that you've got sprint on mm. the bottom button and the, oh the the equivalent yeah. of the cross button and then shoot on the Y button. No, I might be getting my buttons wrong, but the equivalent of the triangle <laughs> button at the top, it, it, my my yeah. hands can't do it unfortunately. Um, so it just leads to kind of horrible <laughs> repetitive strain injuries as a man in his mid thirties. I'm not. I'm not too <laughs> sure if it's because I was playing the um, NTSC version recently, but I found the bomb jump. You know the trick to do that you can do, where you you lay a bomb and then right before it explodes, you lay another one. So then go yeah. up. I found that harder on the Switch version than I did on the Wii U one. That's probably I'm a sixty. I'm also very bad at thing. that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, but no, I think you're right, Darren. It's um, basically because the PAL version runs a bit slower. The timing is a bit muscle easier. memory and all it's that. S- simple yeah. as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The the spring jump is absolutely not essential in this game in the same way it was not essential in in Metro Two. Like if you know what you're doing and you can confidently bomb jump, you're kind of gravy. Yeah. You, well, you don't so need here's to get the that. thing: I can't, and I'm not. So <laughs> I needed the spring ball. Have, have you tried getting good, Leah? I I've tried. It didn't. It didn't <laughs> oh. work. Uh, <laughs> Not, not in my wheelhouse, I'm afraid. As a quick diversion to get away from that, uh, that my <laughs> my reasoning behind Samus being nimble and agile is because of Smash Brothers Melee's intro, where she's ducking and weaving beneath Ridley. From that yeah, point yeah. onwards, I reckon they were like, "Yeah, we can make Samus like a ninja." Mm. Yeah, do that. I reckon it's Smash Brothers' fault. Yeah, to to yeah. put a bit of meat on the bone about this, I think it feels <laughs> to me like a lot of the the specifically the jumping because the jumping's re- again really turgid and really kind of like slothful it it feels mm. to me like a lot of the levels were designed around that jump so there's so many equi- like oh, instances yeah, of the jump in the game where you will land specifically right where you need to be based around the way that the jump goes or the feeling of hitting like an apex of a jump is really crisp in this game so you can have like a mm. lot of control over where you're going to land mixed <laughs> in with that the fact that you don't carry inertia when you do land. You just stop where you are. So it makes yeah. the jumping feel really crisp and really neat. And, and like for me, that just suits my taste a lot more. There's that one jump. And uh, I guess this is the... I can't remember actually about the predecessors. But in this game, certainly, you can go into your Samus menu and switch certain abilities off. And there's that one place where you uh, I found that I could only do a particular jump when I turned off the super the high jump, you know the 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 boosted version of the jump, there's one particular room where to get from left to right. If I had the high jump, I couldn't make the jump out of the water. But to uh, I know exactly what turn you mean. it off. Yeah. There's you just make you just make the exact arc of the jump uh, from dry land to to the next platform, um, which I thought was an interesting decision. But it was literally the only time in the game that I actually went into the like the Samus suit menu and switched off a power. Um, but interesting. So we've talked, uh, we've talked, uh, uh, yeah, about using the map. It, it, I mean, yes, I don't, I don't get me wrong. I don't think the map has a, uh, has issues as such. And I understand that it's, it's, it's not even supposed to be, it's not supposed to give everything away. That would be, that would be uh, in contravention of, of, a lot of what the game's trying to do part of the game is about kind of working out the 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 correlation between the the squares of grid on the map and the the actual environment that you're looking at while you're playing 
and um yeah it's 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 my issue that i can't get maps to sit in my head and and i can't make those connections always for whatever reason but as i say you know i've finished the game a couple of times got there in the end but just um, very quickly on the map leon i think mm, like for me speaking to the efficacy of of a map and like i've spoken about my kind of affinity with like cartography before yes this has become the basically the paradigm for maps in all metroidvanias and so for me it kind of speaks to just how you know effective it is at demonstrating where you are and where you need to be Mm. yeah yeah no it's completely fair we covered uh bloodstained ritual of the night which obviously is a tribute to symphony of the night and which inherited the map wholesale and yeah certainly plenty of other games uh even if it's not yeah, even if it's not like fully grid based, um, something like the Ori games kind of keeps the general mm. uh, functionality of of the Super Metroid map. This is where that kind of mapping kind of got cemented into the gaming lexicon and has pretty much remained with a few tweaks. Yeah, if I turn a Metroidvania game on, uh, you know, like a modern one, and it doesn't have like a you know a, a very similar looking map in the corner i'm just like oh you kind of lost me already <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean no, you, you've kind of lost mm-hmm. me already it, it is timely because i know obviously leah just finished um hollow knight and we had a show on hollow knight uh, the equivalent of last week and, and leon you're playing at the moment i also finished hollow knight this week and, and that has some problems with with mapping and like how they've yeah. um well i mean subjective of course but like the way that they, they've kind of used the map in that one isn't necessarily as complimentary uh as super metroid to my taste yeah mm. i was gonna bring that up i i i think that super metroid kind of strikes a good balance for me um because it doesn't give you the entire map right from the beginning there are map rooms that you can find with little um little pedestals or stands or whatever in them that that will open up part of the map for you um, yeah. So, I mean, you're, you you can find that, in, whereas something like a Hollow Knight, you just don't get the map until you purchase it. Um, this, mm. you know, you can find them, but if you go somewhere, you are going to map it out by default yourself also. So I, I kind of like that, um, yes. that, that getting yeah. the map itself is more of a bonus if you get it ahead of time than a necessity if you if you don't get it mapped out by your uh, by your own actions. Yeah, good point. How do you folks feel? Uh, I, I would say, again, probably based on anecdotal evidence, the way this game is, is spoken about, the amount of best games ever listed it appears in, I would uh, I would assume that the, the sort of the combination of the progression and the backtracking in this game kind of nails the level, the pacing of it, um, for for a lot of people it obviously nails the, the the exact level that will keep you playing and even replaying um and the discovery of puzzles and and the working out of the environmental puzzles and the the use of your moves and abilities sort of the the marriage of those three things um even away from the the boss fights the it's the yeah the the the, the meter of this game seems to be the thing that people perhaps talk even more fondly of than other elements I don't think it's entirely perfect. Um, there's an interview 
with the developers that was made some time ago um, and some time after it was created, actually, where they're talking about their intention. I think it was for the SNES Classic, that, that interview, right. probably the one you're talking about. So 2017, yeah. five years Indeed, ago. yeah. And and obviously they're talking about how the, the kind of, uh, I guess, the design ethic is to engender a sense of exploration and, um, you know, just finding out and, and making assumptions and, and making... Uh, I don't even know what the right word is. I suppose discoveries at a at a, at a mm-hmm. kind of like clear, consistent pace, and I think for the most part, it yeah. does achieve that. In that, it kind mm. of will allow you to progress. That's such an obvious thing to say, but it will naturally kind of move you towards certain areas based around what the rate that you're unlocking things, and it doesn't necessarily put things too far uh, back that you need to be able to kind of go back to if you've you've unlocked it. But there is some pretty poor examples. I think the the only one I think off of the top of my head is you get power bombs right next to the um the the kind of transitionary place between uh brinstar and criteria and so instinctively you want to go up to criteria because there's a a, a, an orange um super bomb uh, doorway there but in actuality what you really need to do is double back on yourself and go all the way back down to north air and then get uh ice beam and then move forward and get grapple beam before you get a crocomire mm. and i know that you yes. mentioned that this was a sticking point and for me yeah. it's exactly the same situation i feel like they do a really good job of kind of like gently just handing you things and pushing in the right direction and then all of a sudden in that one instance it's like right okay whether that's intentional, I'm not sure, because what it would, of course, do is promote you to go all the way back around with your new abilities and yeah. discover some E-tanks or some missiles or whatever the situation may be. But if you're trying to do it in a sort of nice, lean run, conscious of the time that you've got and, and the ending you're going for, yeah. it, it feels like a bit of a misstep. I think that it is, and this is something that I appreciate with a number of um, older kind of Metroidvanias, uh, including Symphony of the Night, is that it doesn't lock you off from places. It only opens up further. And and that's a, a big problem that mm-hmm. I have with Metroid Dread is that it often does lock you out of places uh, because it's so focused on pushing you forward. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. Super Metroid, it, it does, as Rich was saying, kind of guide you forward, but it doesn't say, okay, well, now that you're here, you were done with everything else you just did, right? Because you can't go back there. Uh, and... and I think it strikes a good balance there yeah, as well. The, the effect of that, of course, is that you're not forced to memorize things that you're going to have to kind mm-hmm. of in, instinctively want to go back to in about three or four hours' time. You're always able to kind of get your fill, as it were, of things that you might need because it's not just laden with one-directional doors. There is one or two of them, but they're, yeah. they're not positioned in such a way that it's kind of like going, ha, yeah, we'll see you in a couple of hours, and then you're going to have to try and remember how to do that because Metro Dread is kind of just really... Uh, problematic is maybe too strong a word, but in my opinion, it, it is a weaker game because of that decision. And you can most of the time mm. get back to where you were going in, in even those cases where you have those one one directional doors. You just have to like do big detours and kind of loop around, which you can do if you look at the map. So um, yeah, I, I, I did not... I don't think that I ever have found, certainly not since I kind of learned more about the game, that that there was a place I wanted to go that I simply couldn't, or get back to, I should say. Um, places that you want to go can sometimes be locked, of course, by abilities or uh, things that you haven't picked up yet. But uh, someplace that I needed to get back to and simply could not do, uh, I can't think of a time where that was really the case. Yeah, I think that's part of 
my my internal logic uh, problem with Super Metroid is that if I'm in a morph ball and I roll across a floor and it crumbles un- underneath me and I end up thinking, no, I want it to be up there and I wasn't entirely aware that this brick was going to fall from underneath me, therefore leaving me in a place where I'm like, oh, I've got to go and backtrack all the way around. You look at the map and it it feels like it's longer than what it actually is. So like, if I look at the map and go, oh, it's all the way up and round and left and right and down again to where I, where I was, where I was. But then, in actuality, when you do it, you're like, "Oh, it's only like thirty seconds away." You know, it was. It's, it always seems like more of a problem than what it actually is. Um, but that initial feeling of just like I've just fallen through a floor that I didn't intend to, you kind of feel like it's like someone's pulled the rug from underneath your feet, kind of thing. But it's never really Literally. as much of an issue yeah. as it visually appears on the screen. I think, in tandem with the controls, and locomotion, obviously, there's as with all these games, multiple facets that go into making examples that people are broadly positive about and whatever. But I think if there's one actual kind of absolute key that will separate some players from another, it is the, when it comes to the Metroidvania genre, which is, you know, as heavily populated now as it's ever been, when you include all the many, many independent projects and and games that have been released in recent years, some of which to massive acclaim, some of which we've covered on the podcast whether it's ori or axiom verge or hollow knight or whatever it is the finding the balance between the how you know letting the player go how how far you will let the player go before they realize that they can't go any further i suppose is the simplest way to put it in any direction and i think the the key point is that some players enjoy being allowed to go a long long way off the critical path even though the game might then say once you get to a certain point, actually you haven't got an ability, the ability you need to go any further, or maybe even you need, you know, you just needed to find more health or whatever. Whereas some pl- other players will consider that a disrespect of their time, and the fact that it's a lot of these games have been opened up so much, um, whereas others have gone very much down the linear restrictive route. I think it's it's just comes down to a matter of pers- personal preference in the I end, doesn't it? That, that, it reminds me of Resident Evil again. Like there was a time where people were like, I don't want to be trudging through the same rooms that I've gone back through three or four times to solve a puzzle. Like, yeah, that, to me, that's what Resident Evil is. It's kind of it's it's mm. owning these spaces and knowing exactly where you need to be. And if you accidentally stumble into a room, you know, where, where you're not supposed to be, then that's just that's just an environment you're in, you know what I mean? But there was an era of video games where, and I think Resident Evil kind of five maybe is the epitome of that, where it's like, you know, you're always moving forward, you're always shooting things. Yeah. But then actually... I think some players feel they need that or that's what they enjoy yeah. the most. But other players absolutely want the the backtracking and the and the self, the, the satisfaction of having earned their progress mm. through a lot of trial and error. And I think, as I say, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this. I think it's... It's down to the developers what they, you know, the game they want to make in that regard. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, some players will connect with the extreme linear. Some players will connect with the ridiculously open f- free form, like the 8-bit games that I remember playing from my youth. You could go anywhere, but like everywhere would kill you and it wouldn't even tell you what you needed to do next. And I think Super Metroid may be for a lot of people and why it's still held in such high regard is because it hit something of a sweet spot in this particular you see this is this is exactly i think my point and i do the the mental math um whenever i'm playing a game that has this kind of gear gating effect it's like how much do you expect me to remember how how much of the minutiae do you expect me to remember in order to be able to make the most out of this game and if you're asking Mm. me to 
to to kind of really sort of maintain a mental map of something uh, that I'm only going to return to yeah. in six or seven hours. That is uh, a kind of huge disrespect to my time and my like my knowledge and integrity and no. Well, thank also you, priorities in life. So when I, I mean, obviously, I'm saying when I played this for the first time, I was in my early mid twenties, and uh, there were a lot of other important things in life by that point, but. Maybe I'd, you know, because I'd played fewer games and because gaming was perhaps, you know, I was less interested in world of events and less worried about the process of aging and all this kind of stuff. I could kind of like if I saw a, a different colored door, that would the way you form memories at that age and, and, and at that time of your life is different to how, you know, if you're playing a game in your 30s, 40s or 50s. Like these things, as much as we all still absolutely, you know, adore video games and are completely passionate about them, this information just won't stick as much because of all kinds of other reasons. Like we've got other things to worry about, right? So it is, it does make sense that maybe some of us are more drawn towards games that give us something of a critical path that's more obvious, even if it isn't the the mythical golden arrow. I mean, it's that reason why, <clears throat> that specific reason is why I didn't finish it this time round. Because Reminded I got you lost. too much right. of your own mortality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got lost and I was like, I've done this several times before. I'm not going to be wandering yeah, around again. Same. And I just, I just yeah, I know that feeling. I watched it yeah. on YouTube because I've got very little time. And so, me, and yeah. I like backtracking, don't get me wrong. Like when Resident Evil 7 brought it back, I was like, cool, I like this. But um, Yeah, yeah. Well, like, I'm happy to do it in a new game. So yeah. I'm playing Hollow Knight at the moment and I've done loads of backtracking and playing the same areas over and over again mm-hmm. because I've never beaten that game. But Super Metroid, I have beaten it twice, yeah. so I find the backtracking now no longer appeals mm-hmm. to me. Whereas for some players, whether it's Rich or Ben or whoever, uh, Leah getting 100%, like that's actually an appeal in itself, is learning how to optimise your path. Mm-hmm. No More Spiros from our forum says, My most recent playthrough of Super Metroid was after I had my wisdom teeth removed. I had a mouthful of gauze and blood. I was loopy from the knockout drugs and I needed to be supervised. So my father agreed to watch me play it to make sure I didn't collapse or anything. I should preface this by saying my father isn't much of a fan of video games. Super Metroid didn't change his mind necessarily, but he was quick to tell me how impressed he was by the trust the game showed to its players. While I was running around in circles trying to find an energy tank or remember yet again where that stupid breakable block in Meridia is that lets you escape, he was studying the HUD, trying to determine what everything in the minimap meant or how you were supposed to remember which missiles you were using, or simply how you were able to focus on Samus while everything else was happening around you. The interesting thing to me is that arguably the intention was the opposite, to make progression clearer compared to the bare-bones approach of the original Metroid, especially. But I could see where his confusion originated. Would he be be as lost if he was holding the controller? I'm not sure we'll ever know. He's not one to leave his comfort zone. But for just a few hours, I think Super Metroid allowed him to see just how much brain power is required to press some buttons and look at a screen. Absolutely. <laughs> Something we take for granted a lot of the time. My mother, the band director, um, cannot play Guitar Hero confirmed. <laughs> we right, tried. <yeah. laughs> it did not work. Too many buttons. Yeah. yeah cause it's just, it's playing just a, different. Playing I mean, a real guitar is so easy. Yeah, yeah of course. But... Uh... Yeah. yeah, some people do transfer oh, sure. over the the skills like that, and like you know, you do hear these fantastic stories of people who are like real life lorry drivers playing those Euro truck simulators, or real life pilots playing flight simulator. Um, just such is their passion. Real life for bounty the, hunters for the just play Super Metroid, and they're like, "This is the easy life." Yeah, yeah too right. 
And Seth from our forum says the drip feeding of powers and upgrades meant that you always had a new shiny toy for every new section. And it's always great to play a game that encourages you to use your full armory in a way that doesn't feel forced. The only time I actually felt any frustration was learning how to wall jump. Maybe I missed on an on-screen prompt or how-to, but this baffled me for a stupidly long time until I had to find a video to show me what I was doing wrong. I might be alone on this, but if anyone on the show had this issue, please vocalise my pain. Check. I think if I did play this game when I was younger, I would have hated it. The backtracking in particular would have bored me. But now I appreciate these moments as the design of this world makes the exploration fun and allows you to find secrets or hidden items that you might miss by teleporting everywhere. That's always the key to making these types of games playable and engaging. And as this game trains you to search every corner, just in case. Seth's point there about hating this game when, when they were younger, well, that that's actually a great example of why we as podcasters shouldn't make sweeping assumptions about what, you know, because I was saying about, you know, younger would have been, it would have been easier. Actually, that's just my experience. Um, there, There's also some truth to that, that when you're younger, you may feel like you've got much more time and fewer things to worry about, but also you can be, can tend to be more impatient. Um, I know, I think I've got less patience with games as I've got older, but equally when you're younger, I think, yeah, I think that often for a lot of people does come with a, a level of can't be bothered with this, going to do something else. So as well as the game's built-in abilities that it, well, doesn't sort of really tell you about, but they might be in the manual and you might figure out uh, there's a few extra uh, things that you can do just due to the way the game's coded, um, such as uh, arm pumping. Um, Standard. Standard, <laughs> yeah, which is something you need to do to uh, to invoke sequence breaking, certain sequence breaks in the game, which is a, obviously a t term you probably all heard as regards to beating these games, um, getting getting key items out of order, basically, in, in order to optimise your run. Um, I mean, I've never done any of these things. I've, I've become aware of them over time, whether it's watching... Uh, games done quick or stuff like that i i'm gonna um, need to hear about the murder beam actually <laughs> it's it's a glitch so basically it's a, yeah. um there's some menuing that uh, occurs to basically trigger all of the uh different beam types <laughs> at the same time and yeah. the effect of a power bomb so um nice it's um yeah, it just creates like a, a, a sort of pillar, if you like, that um, uh, kind of fixed to something. So it's most commonly used against either Ridley or against Mother Brain just to do consistent damage. You know, you can think about it a little bit like um, on Mega Man 2 when you might pause and unpause the, mm -hmm. the, um, the game and it'll do damage per frame. But um, it can only be done on the left. Otherwise, it'll soft lock the game and you'll have to restart, which is uh, beautiful. Risk and reward. I, I always envisioned it as the um, the final smash of Samus's, where it's just a giant murder <laughs> beam on the screen. But um, yeah, no, that this game really does have an awesome arsenal of beams. I'm impressed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well really done, life. Do you actually do you do you actually invoke any of these, Rich, in your playthroughs? Most of them are. are I mean, not personally, other than the arm pumping, which I'm not comfortable admitting. <laughs> but basically, what the arm pumping does is, you know, you would hammer the left and right shoulder buttons over mm. and over and again and what it'll do is it'll force Samus to move forward by one frame so over the course of like a two hour playthrough it's quite a significant time it's like snaking 
Yeah, yeah. It's most commonly used right. for the original Teresa boss where you can arm pump and sprint and jump out of the room before you actually need to engage with the boss. So it's just a nice quick time save. <laughs> hmm. Classic. Cool. Surprisingly, a debug cheat mode <clears throat> was in the game. That's not the surprising part. The surprising part, nobody knew about it until late 2010. Entering the Golden Teresa room while pressing all of the controller's face buttons will give Samus all of the game's items except for the screw attack, which is in the following room. 700 energy, 300 reserve energy, 100 missiles, 20 super missiles and 20 power bombs. And I, is that related to the, uh, the, the SP version that they just added to the Switch service? I mean, it's effectively you get the same stuff. Yeah, uh, it could be. For I mean, those... The, the, the yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because obviously that would come at a fairly redundant point in the game. I mean, it would be nice to yeah. have all of the energy and the reserve energy and the missiles and such, but by that point, you know, you're kind of good to go. You should have enough equipment to, to be able to take everything out. So interesting. I mean, seems likely, but of course um, the, the SP version also has all of the map uncovered for every one of the, the finds in the room. So I would have thought that's just a kind of much more natural save state from somebody who just knows the game really well. That yeah, boss does yeah. suck, though. I I will yeah. um I, I hands up in 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 admission here. I hated that boss a lot. I did make a save state before that one. Any other uh, mini boss or boss chat that uh, that we should have about a particular uh, encounters? Like the, the fake, either the kind of the fake out when you kill one of the bosses, it disappears into like mm. this lavery kind of mess, and then you go to the left, and the wall starts like vibrating and rocking, yeah. and then the skeleton comes back to life, but it doesn't. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. That the, the Crocomaya boss, he is just a butthole. When you like, if you're trying to speed run the game and you forget a pickup, as I did, the um charge beam, trying to do that with a really small amount of missiles and super missiles is like, you know, it's sweat inducing. Um, for me, it's something that I really like about the bosses is just the scale of the bosses. Obviously, we're not kind mm. of unfamiliar with massive bosses in Super Nintendo, but there's a load of different instances where it'll just. I'm thinking of Kraid in particular. It'll have fake Kraid before you go into that chamber, and then you go into fight Kraid, yeah. and it's just gigantic. Yeah. That is kind of cool, because especially if you've played uh, the original Metroid, because, you know, I mean, that was mm. about the size of regular Kraid yep. in original Metroid. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, yeah. it's it's a nice little Easter egg, I think, because you're like, ah, this guy, I just pump a couple of missiles into him, and he's done. Oh. And then you walk into the next room, and there's real Kraid, and it's uh, much mm. more imposing. You think this is the real crate? That was my total recall. Oh, <laughs> I think my um my feeling with the mini bosses and bosses in general is that it's when I struggle with the controls the most because changing to different types of missiles using what is the minus button on the on the switch? Or oh yeah, kind of oh like, yeah. You know, it's, it's in a very awkward place. You know what and I mean? The, there's and more things to cycle through in Super Metroid than there is in the original Metroid as well. You know, you just hammer yes. it once and you you're good. But in this, you know, five or six times. And trying to kind of manage that is just really problematic, especially in, there's a boss in particular, um, probably Ridley, because you kind of need to roll underneath the little pogo tail thing that Ridley does, and it flies off screen and swoops down, and it's just a, just a nightmare. Yeah, it can be quite fiddly, the uh, the cycling of weapons, as cool as it is that you have an awesome arsenal. Yeah, but most bosses um, have got quick kills as well. I mean, if you look at Dragon, yeah. um, if you yes. use the grappling beam... That's easy. You just sort of allow it to pick you up and abduct you and then grapple it with the uh, electricity that's around there. 
get a nice kind of electric shock. You'll take damage, but unfortunately, the, the well, fortunately, the boss will die nice and quickly. Well, this is a yeah, this is a really cool thing. Let's uh, let's hear from Daniel Glass from our Patreon on this. The moment when the game was elevated in my teenage mind from excellent to amazing was when I learned that you could defeat Dragon, who had previously given me a huge headache, by blasting out the wall cannons and then shooting a grappling beam at the broken emplacements while he was holding Samus to electrocute him. At the time, it was one of the most sophisticated boss tricks I'd ever seen, and Super Metroid was full of special one-off moments like that. Yeah, I think that's exactly uh, it's a great example of sort of yeah, Nintendo. One of the the reasons that Nintendo R and D one is and intelligent systems are held in such high regard, and why this game is held in such high regard. It was an imaginative way of handling a boss fight that didn't just involve shoot it in the giant glowing weak point can we not move on before we do the mother brain fight as well at the end that um, yeah, echoes course, yeah. the original metroid where you've got to go through the the zebatites using missiles only and then break the glass and then yes. smash mother brain through and then you end up fighting i guess the the real mother brain which is this huge kind of giga-esque hogging just really intimidating boss yeah. that has the nastiest, gnarliest scream and, and the music kind of crescendos. It's it's a really cinematic, like almost sort of like unforgettable moment for anybody who knows anything about speedrunning and, and video games for that matter. <clears throat> Rip my poor baby all... Metroid. He, he, I was sad. <laughs> sad that he dies. He gives you maternal feelings. I, the, uh, well, I don't know about that, baby. but um, yeah. <laughs> my, little, my little buddy. Yeah. Mr. Ixalite from the forum says, probably the biggest sticking point for me in the game was the combat. It mostly felt fine against regular enemies who die quickly, but I never really got comfortable fighting the game's bosses. I could never dodge as well as I wanted, and it felt like my wins were mostly dependent on having a big enough health bar and being able to shoot enough missiles at the boss before it killed me, which certainly made for a tense type of battle, but it didn't exactly make me feel like a cool, in-control bounty hunter. Yeah, I was wondering about this because I, I certainly end up, um, and, and I think um, even watching, uh, you know, people, skillful runs of Metroid 1, there's a certain amount of, yeah, you, you arrive at this boss with enough health and weapons and you press, you pump the button quickly enough and, and you win the fight kind of thing, rather than the perhaps now more common, popular and established boss methodology of learn the sequence and you can do it without taking a single hit. Maybe there's some of that in this, but it's definitely there. Um, yeah, I think the mm. the the problem, uh, uh, pro certainly problem boss for me is either going to be Ridley, just because of how sporadic it is, and I kind of just take it on the chin because I think what they're trying to sort of suggest there is that Ridley will fly up and swoop, and you know you see that in in later entries in the series where Ridley kind of exercises some of that move set. The other one is um, oh crap, I'd have forgot what it's called. The boss in the the ruined ship. Yeah, help me out here. Uh, is it? It's the fan fantoon. Is it fantoon? Fantoon or fantoon? Yeah, which is like a mm -hmm. really yeah. easy boss, but just surrounded by so many little scrub sprites that it's hard to land a hit consistently. Yes. Yeah. And if I'm thinking of the the correct uh place, I think that's the part where in my run through, I um actually ended up getting into that boss with very low health and there was not a save point really particularly near him um so yeah that was a problem yeah. 
For for what it's worth, for the most part, with the exception to Ridley, I will say, and Mother Brain, most bosses do give you the option to recover health and missiles as a part of that fight, which is a really nice, like a, a like a boon to have because it's certainly something that wasn't offered in the the previous games. Yeah. Yes, again, that's a that's a really good example of a way in which games design had changed in even in those relatively few years between 86 and 94 8 to 16 bit game design the idea that maybe we should make things just a little bit fairer for players so they don't have to necessarily repeat massive sections or or whatever um but i'm sure for i'm sure there are some people out there who think we should uh never have made such ridiculous uh, concessions to uh, poor players and everyone should have just uh, gotten good forever magical isopod says super metroid is a game i've tried many many times to sit down and beat but i never quite make it it's just a bit too difficult it's just a bit too cryptic in design it's just a bit too calm in its tone and tone and presentation between boss fights and for a lot of people these will undoubtedly be positives but for me personally they all add up into an experience that feels like tedium there are definitely some things i really enjoy about this game the music the art direction the overall movement and tech feels great i really enjoy watching other people play it but it's just not one for me. And that's okay. Fusion and Prime have always been more my speed. Completion and 100% in the game. So we've talked, yeah, like my way of doing it both times, the second time slightly better, is uh, taking a very long time with lots of backtracking, trying to look at guides as little as possible, probably using uh, a couple of hints. Um, And why do I always forget that you have to powerbomb the tunnel? Like, like I used to think that you had to sh- super jump out of it. I don't know why. And I and I started trying that again this time. Now I will remember. I'm sure now we've made the show. Um, and yeah, ending up with a, a slow completion time and a low uh, item number. But in, uh, in, in Leah and Rich here, we have people who have gone for... For the other things, so uh, Leah, the satisfaction of getting the hundred percent is worth the worth the effort. Would you say? I mean, I think so. It depends on whether you enjoy the game in the first place, I guess. But um, of course, I yeah. am I'm very much a checklisty type person when it comes to uh, games in general. I like to do all the side quests. I like to do all the um, you know the optional stuff when when I can. Um, and this this scratched that itch for me. You know, just I didn't. Um, I didn't go into it on my own this time. I, it was, like I said, I, I did use walkthroughs for it. Um, but it, it it was something similar to how, you know, doing the Symphony of the Night playthrough where you get the 200.6%. Like it just, there's something about that yeah. that just, it, it makes me, makes me happy in my, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and it, did you find that using, using a walkthrough, would you say, it didn't spoil it for you, obviously, because I know I know you're not averse to using no, not through, at all. But did was there was there any point where you thought, ah, oh, I kind of wish I'd. I don't think so because I think that there are some things in there that are, I yeah. I, I won't say unfair, <laughs> but very very well hidden. Like you are only going to find those yeah. on your own if you are shooting literally everything that you can. Um, yep. and I just, sure. I mean, if, if that was, if that was, or is something that you are interested in doing, then you can, obviously it is that, it. that mm-hmm. option is there. Um, right now, not, well, probably not ever. Actually, I can't think of a time where I would really want to do that in one particular nah, game, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it. I don't think that it, uh, that it took anything away from me. 
Excellent. And Rich, so you, how many times do you reckon you've beaten this game over the years? And, and kind of what's your... Do you plan to continue playing? Is there an ultimate goal time? <laughs> I don't think so. No, um, really. The, the obviously the the endings are, are kind of mirrored throughout the series, where depending on how quickly you, you get it, is depending on how uh, how lecherous yeah. <laughs> Samus is, is dressed at the end. Like my ambition to do it as a speedrunner is probably not Solely there. Tied to to Samus in a bikini, isn't it? Yeah, no. oh, it's. I'm pumped. It's, it's not. It's not that uh, to compete. It was just to try and sort of squeeze as much of uh, the game as as I possibly could. So I think I can kind of comfortably do it in under two hours now. When really the game gives you a generous wow. three hours to to complete it. And I definitely know there's room for improvement. Not least of which because the speed run for like an any percent category is is something like forty minutes. So there's loads of time to shave off. There. Yep. 40 minutes and 46 seconds which is that's real time and in game time it's 27 but it's surprising how lean this game can be if you know where you're going and and you know how to gently sequence break you don't really need to be a person who has like frame perfect inputs to be able to 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 get even close to the the three hours Mm. if you you know you know how to manage your missiles and you know really roughly what the attacks are like a, a layman would definitely be able to kind of get there without too much problem and in 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 a way that i would say it might be problematic for somebody playing metroid uh the metroid one might have a, a bit of an issue there um yeah. i don't think i'll compete I, I you know i mentioned in the slack like i never want to speed this run ever again like it's an incredibly stressful experience managing missiles right. <laughs> um i'd much rather just kind of enjoy it and soak it in but um i'm pleased to have got there and um i think comfortably from this point on i could do a nice kind of 70 75 playthrough in under three hours and be absolutely fine yeah the 100% completion record currently stands at 1 hour 12 minutes, which is 42 minutes of in-game time. One challenge that you could go for, which I find curious, is reverse boss order, RBO, which you have to kill the four major bosses, Ridley, Dragon, Fantoon and Kraid, in that specific order. Out of Bounds is banned, Wrong Warps are banned, I don't know what that is, Space Time Beam is banned, GT Code is banned, and... Items must be exclusively collected from their intended source. But you can get good and do this in 56 That That minutes. would be exceptionally difficult because yeah. Yeah. Gravity Suit, which gives you... Oh, well, Varia Suit, excuse me, which gives you uh, invulnerability to the like temperature areas. You would have yeah. to negotiate through Norfair without that. And there's some like, exceptionally difficult jumping and wall jumping tricks that are required <clears throat> to get to... To Ridley first. Wukwing Long from our forum says, I wasn't truly aware of how highly this game is regarded until I got involved in the speedrunning scene in 2011-ish. I'd been aware of the game being regarded as a significant milestone, possibly progenitor of the search action subgenre, but seeing it masterfully executed at blistering speeds is what put it on my bucket list. Some years later, I roped a friend into a friendly live race through the game, Having loved Metroid Fusion in my youth, I expected a good time. Unfortunately, a good time was not what I had that evening. At first, everything seemed fine, but after an hour or so, I was slowly coming to grips with the fact that this game didn't hook me in the same way so many subsequent titles in its genre had. It was a bit too cryptic. The controls were a bit too unwieldy. Combat always felt a bit too easy or a bit too hard. I threw in the towel at Fantoon and resigned myself to possibly never finishing this Quotes classic. 
thanks to Kane and Rince, I did decide to give Super Metroid another chance. I knew my prior negative experience would colour this revisit, so I was pleased when I ultimately enjoyed it much more than I was expecting. Although the controls still felt like they had too many actions for the available buttons to comfortably accommodate, and lack of fast travel meant a lot of running through long stretches of the same areas to reach somewhere on the map you wanted to explore, which contributed to a feeling of artificially lengthening the experience, admittedly something games of this genre are frequently guilty of. I chalk much of my dissatisfaction with the game to not having experienced it at the time before the foundations it laid had been built upon and refined, its historical significance cannot be understated. Today, however, I view it as a good, not great game that is worth your time in spite of its flaws, if you have the patience and are interested in seeing this part of gaming's legacy. I'd never even considered fast travel as an option in this game, whereas in other <laughs> Metroidvanias, I kind of expect it. Mm. <clears throat> this one it doesn't even, never even thought about it. Weird. Very Sweetly, an Easter egg was found in, uh, what year was it? It was late 20, 2018. Was that, was that when it was discovered or when it was, when the, when the reason for it was discovered? Anyway, uh, if you follow the sprites, the path they make across the boss arena, the aforementioned, uh, boss Dragon with the, uh, with the, with the generators or the yeah the power plugs whatever you want to call them uh it was uh coded by uh Yasuhiko Fuji so that the little sprites spell out a message to his then fiance i think was it his wife uh anyway from forbes back in uh 2018 before the fight with dragon the boss meridia there's a group of evia or evia enemies that do a little dance their movements actually trace out the letters of a phrase in English, Keiko Love. Keiko was the name of a girl I was dating at the time. Okay. I was busy with work all the time and couldn't see her much. So at night, while everyone in the office was sleeping, I stole a moment and snuck that code in. The little Evia dance wasn't written in the planning documents anywhere. So I remember my heart beating fast as I coded it with the worry of it being discovered. But in the end, no one ever found it. Now, isn't that a romantic story? So that's why the sprites on that screen do that particular dance. That's like the um, the cameo's golden gargate, but not as cool. Yeah. See? Listen to our cameo show for more information about the gargate. Oh, I get it. It's in there. <laughs> He's immortal. Uh, the Super Metroid Integrated Level Editor, or Smile, was developed by somebody called Jathis. The project was open sourced and gave the possibility to edit almost anything. Levels, enemies, items, color palettes, text, individual rooms, gravity, and many more. Although the editor was not fully completed, it was usable enough to create modifications and publish them, according to Moby Games. If you want to muck around with Super Metroid. And this just came out as a piece of news just uh, last month, 24th of January 2022. It was revealed that Retro Studios had tried to, wanted to put Super Metroid as an unlockable in Metroid Prime rather than the original Metroid. In the final version of Metroid Prime, 
according to the Wikitroid. Metroid is unlockable by connecting with Metroid Fusion through the GBA Advance cable. However, Super Metroid originally had this role. The only evidence of this is a beta menu design in Danny Richardson's portfolio. An anonymous ex-Retro Studios developer clarified the matter by stating that David Kirsch had built Super, Super Metroid into Prime successfully using a third-party emulator. But because Nintendo was opposed to such a practice, they ordered the game's removal, leading to its replacement with Metroid on a custom emulator. That's kind of a shame that, uh, I mean, you know, it's cool that Metroid 1's in there, but both would have been better. Alex79 from the forum says, I played this for the first time ever when it was released on the Switch Online SNES service a couple of years ago. I was expecting to wrestle with the controls and bang my head against outdated game design, but was delighted to find a game which didn't seem to have aged a day since its release. I absolutely love this game, and I think it stands proud alongside the likes of Hollow Knight, Salt and Sanctuary, and Symphony of the Night as one of my favourites of the genre. A remarkable piece of game design that is the right side of challenging without ever feeling unfair. I'd recommend anyone give it a try. Hmm. So, yeah, it can uh, it can be the case. Like if, like Alex, you might come to it in these modern times and find that you still love the game as people did back in the day. We got a selection of three word reviews. Follow us on Twitter at Canaan Rince. Sean Ruh says big box edition. Alistair Hendry says always got lost. Jack Darcy says it's no prime. Robert Thompson says first go left. Tales from the backlog. Clunky but respected. Richard Burt says examine every block. Mr. Ixalite says bomb the tube. And Matt Barnhart says my favourite Metroid. Not just you, I suspect, Matt. But let us attempt to summarise this revered game. I'll go first. I think I'm probably, without being very negative, I'm probably the least positive about Super Metroid of the panel here. I always felt a bit out of whack with the consensus, which is not usually the case for me. I'm usually boringly kind of in general accordance with the yeah whatever the the gaming hive mind thinks of a game of course as we know from 10 years of making this podcast there is no game which is universally loved there's no game which is universally hated possibly um but super metroid for me i think when i went into it after absolutely falling head over heels in love with a number of super nintendo games from nintendo specifically links to the past the legend of zelda and super mario world I think I was expecting and hoping, of course, to fall in love with Super Metroid as much as I did with those two games. And uh, I still consider those for me absolute masterpieces to this day. Um, But Super Metroid just did not click with me in quite the same way that those games did. Although I could appreciate that it was uh, in many ways a big upgrade on, on what had come before, both in terms of the series that I had had no experience with and other kind of 2D screen, uh, flip screen arcade adventures. Um, I just often found myself a bit bewildered, lost and unexcited. Um, There was definitely an intrigue to it, but the screen to screen, moment to moment, kind of shooting the same enemies over and over again, 
um, didn't always pop in a fantastically satisfying way. And the endless feeling of being mislaid and confused was not conducive. Um, I kept buying the game, kept rebuying the game, eventually finished it in 2007 and uh, appreciated it a little bit more having got through it. Having played it again now in 2022, I think I appreciate it a bit more still, but I still find that certain aspects of it, particularly some of the control elements and some of the obscure design decisions mean that it's never going to quite sit alongside a lot of other absolute classics, uh, epic shelf games for me. But yeah, uh, I still admire it and respect it greatly. And um, yeah, I think everyone should certainly at least play it because you might love it as much as the people who really, really adore it do. Darren. Yeah, I'm pretty much, you know, I echo a lot of those sentiments. I do have issues with the controls and some of the obtuseness of the world design, but that doesn't stop me from really adoring Super Metroid as someone who played prime first and came back to it you know properly um you know there, there's a reason why they haven't remade metroid 3 yet super metroid yet you know they've done the first one with zero mission they've done samus returns with the on the 3ds mm. but the, i don't think super metroid needs the treatment i think it stands on its own two feet and uh yeah it, it stands proudly as one of the best games in the series it's um it's a great it is a great game it just it's just aged ever so slightly i feel like Whereas Streets of Rage 2 is the coolest game on the Mega Drive, I think Super hmm. Metroid is the coolest game on the Super Nintendo. And they both kind of, they're kind of like second cousins to one another, in my opinion, in terms of just pure vibe, coolness. Just like the, the, no games can come close to them when it comes to just pure energy and aesthetic. I, I think they're both. And uh, yeah, I think Super Metroid is, is a fantastic um, yeah, entry in the series. And, you know, and there's, a, there's a very good reason why on but when my daughter was born we had two names in mind uh, ivy was the name we chose but samus was a very close second and wow yeah, my, my love for the series <clears throat> come from prime but it was bolstered with super metroid underneath it and the consequent you know the, the following games after that oh yeah i love the series not enough to speed run it but i just i just want to go live there one day and hopefully uh Super Nintendo land in Japan. They can bring it over here, do a little Metroid corner and I'll pitch a tent and I'll never leave. <laughs> that would be, I, I'd be even more likely to go and visit a theme park where there was a Gargate tent or a Gargate uh, leading, <laughs> leading to the corner you'd, of You'd have Metroid to morph land. ball through a, a wall that you can't actually like get any clues oh. from and then I'd be behind there and everyone would get angry. I, I just, yeah, anyway. That's it. Uh, you know, there's all those uh, like, um, I, th I think it's slightly a, a meme thing. There was all those pictures of how Samus would look in her morph ball, like how that works oh physically, anatomically. I actually saw a video of somebody d the other day basically doing a morph ball, <laughs> a human morph ball, by kind of tucking, tucking and rolling. It was seriously. This isn't impressive. like the real Kirby, is it? <laughs> it's not like it's not grotesque okay, as good. the real Kirby, no. <laughs> but um, but I do worry about their uh, their 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 skeleton oh, oh. <laughs> that's an interesting noise um, <laughs> you're right darren I, i've got to go to bed soon and i'm gonna have nightmares <laughs> okay um, let's hand over to leah well i i can't do a morph ball i'm too old for that i can't i yeah. i probably couldn't when i was younger do Ugh, a morph no ball. thank you no do a morph I don't ball. know, man. That's like do a barrel. Yes, yeah, something like that. Um, TM, TM, TM. Um, 
Yeah, I so I I tend to fall more on the Vania side than the Metroid side in general mm. um when it comes to uh Metroidvania type games. Um but I I really like Super Metroid. I, I like it a lot. And I've played it a number of times. I, I not as many as a lot of people I know and not I don't it doesn't reach back to my my uh childhood really, unfortunately. But I I feel like I've got a pretty decent grasp on the series uh, and enough to say that I think I think Metroid uh Super Metroid is probably my favorite Metroid game. Um and it's mm. up there in in my favorite Metroidvanias which means given that I really like that genre that it's up there in games that I hold in very high regard. Um mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it's my favorite game of all time. Um I in fact I know it's not, but uh it is it is something that I have very little issue going back to kind of whenever, you know, I, I hadn't played it in probably at least a few years before I picked it up again to play it through specifically for the show. And it, it, it just, it still feels good. You know, like I, I, I don't have it memorized or anything like that. Um, but I, I, enough of it stuck with me and has clearly seeped its way into my muscle memory and my brain that I had a really good time and I I felt it felt it felt like it felt good to play. It still feels good to play. My my hands do hurt though. Um that that much I I need better controllers or bigger hands and one of those is not going to happen. So um we we talk a lot about uh not wanting to put huge superlatives on on games, so I'm not gonna do that. But um I, I do think that Metroid uh, Super Metroid is a game that, uh, if you like the genre in particular and have never played it, um, it's not too late. There are plenty of ways to do so, uh, and even if you maybe aren't necessarily thinking that it's your favorite genre in the world, um, again, super readily available, so uh, worth a shot to see if you get on with it. I really like the uh, the atmosphere. I think maybe that's one of the things that... Uh, makes it so good for me, despite the fact that mm. I also uh, am, am kind of a big Castlevania fan, is that, you know, it's it's got that kind of spooky vibe to it, and, and I like that. That's that's something that hits pretty pretty uh, well for me. So yeah, I'd, I'd say play it if you can, if you haven't already. Uh, and if you have played it and you uh, really love it, then maybe now's the time to go back and give it another shot. Why not? Well said. Let's uh, finish up with Rich. I don't know if it's um if it's just me uh, as part of the like Kanerin's panelists who kind of feels a little bit of anxiety about covering these like sacred cow games, but no, it's not just you. <laughs> on the amount of stress and and effort and energy that I put into trying to cover this game as much as possible speaks to like just how formative and how important it is to me, and and like I would have no hesitation in saying that it's right up there in like my epic list, probably in the top five. You know, mm. I tried to do a lot of things like something that would recommend everybody go on Nintendo Online and check out, that is their online website, and check out the, the Super Metroid manual. It's just a thing of beauty. It's like a nice time mm. capsule. And obviously there's so much material online that you can go and experience Super Metroid in a way, even if you don't necessarily get on with the game itself. I would say that for me, this is the, the pinnacle of Metroidvania games. And I know that's a really subjective and, again, superlative thing to say, but it just seems to hit that spot so neatly. Um, I think, you know, I've mentioned that I've tried to do this game as like 100% and speedruns, and, and I never want to speed this speedrun this game ever again because <laughs> it's just such a kind of like 
just like a beautifully crafted game that just seems to capture like a whole loads of different like thoughtful game design like really intelligent um like moments in the game that, that are there and i just think it, it's just like a wonderful game to behold i think it's timeless and i agree entirely with what darren said that the we probably don't need a remake because it still holds up uh now in the same way it did like 20 25 years ago and it just drips of quality and i think that kind of comes across to anybody who's seen it or, or played it and so you'll probably get that sense as well um i guess the only thing i can say is just like we were having this conversation throughout and and you know i've tried to be as objective as possible and really kind of put into either qualitative or quantitative information about why i enjoy this game so much and i think really what it comes down to is that it just seems to capture kind of my mental bandwidth in a way that most other games don't, you know, I'm playing mm. or have recently played Hollow Knight recently and, and bounced off against it so hard in a way that I've, I, I, I can't sort of understand how other people have got a different opinion to the one that I have. But in actuality, I think it just comes down to something. Sometimes you just find a game that just resonates and, and, and hits you in a way that um, that you never expected. And, and Super Metro is definitely that title for me. And the last thing I want to say on this is just, like having gone intensively through Metroid, Metroid Two, and Metroid uh, Three, Super Metroid, like my my love and affection for this series has only grown. And while I'm not on the next show for, for Metroid Prime, I'm looking forward to listening to that show for sure. Uh, well, you know the panel could change yet. We'll see. <laughs> if you want to be on it, uh, let me know. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's interesting what you say there. This is a, a wider discussion, but it, it does ultimately it always comes down to how much we vibe with games on a completely sub- subjective level, doesn't it? Um, so it's sort of, yeah, it's an interesting exercise sort of trying to balance that and express it and kind of, yeah, take our own subjective proclivities and everyone else's <laughs> into, into regard. Imagine well. that. We've all got different opinions. Who'd have thought? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it's I, I mean, I don't know. We've been doing this for 10 years. It seems to be interesting to share what they are. So <laughs> hopefully hopefully you've been uh you felt that's worthwhile as well listener uh so it does remain for me leon to thank darren leah rich and our editor jay as well as all all of our correspondents from the forum from patreon and from email and uh of course thank you for listening next time can feel leah's excitement in issue 507 finally we find out what happened when squares and disney's magics intermingled in our first Kingdom Hearts podcast.